Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, sports editor here at Star Local Media, being joined by the entire crew. we got Brian Murphy, Kendrick Johnson, Devin Hassan, and Taylor Raglan. Two months of the season are in the books, guys. High school football, that is. Does it feel like two months, first off? It feels no. like the season's kind of flying by. No, it's been a whirlwind. Yeah. With a lot of, I think the results and the nature of some of just the craziness mm-hmm. has also made it feel like one thing after another. It's like every week there's something that we're just like, what? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of that last week, and we can certainly get to that because um, so we're, yeah, we're eight weeks down, three weeks to go. Playoff pictures are starting to come into focus a bit better. So let's just kind of break down where things are at through eight weeks, especially with what we saw last week, because there were certainly some games and some results that, uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit jaw dropping. Um, we can start over in uh, in five A. You know, over in District 5, 5A Division 1, where, uh, fortunately, Brian, you were off. Uh, first off, how was your weekend? <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was really uh, really busy, really long. Um, I'm, I'm wedding out mm-hmm. uh, for forever now. For now. I needed a, a, full, <laughs> a full weekend to recover from that. But, uh, no, it was fun. And I was still keeping up with, you know, the game of the week, or at least in my opinion, the game of the week. Um, and I... I was shocked that it was that close, and you asked me a good question, mm-hmm. um, you know, before we before we got on the podcast. You know, which score was I more uh, shocked about? You know, Lone Star, the Colony, or Frisco and Denison? Frisco Denison, we'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. I, my jaw actually hit the floor when I saw that one, just because of ten to seven, just so weird. Uh, but I was keeping up with Lone Star uh, and the Colony um, at the the wedding rehearsal I was at. I was like still checking my phone every now and then. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god. Oh my god! Oh my god! Because it was just the second half. It was like thirteen to ten, I think, at halftime, and then it was just explosion. You know, big yeah. play, big Christian Gonzalez, Marvin Mims, Jake Bog, like, like just you know our own Kevin Reynolds. You know, um, well, we had a stringer at that game, and little Kevin, man, he was he, he killed it with the story, man. It was, yeah. He said it best, something about you know two heavyweights just going at it, and I, I mean, just given you know how the colony had you know kind of fumbled the ball against teams like Centennial and, and you know, other subpar teams so far this year. Uh, I thought, you know, Wall Star was really going to really gonna give it to them. And, <laughs> boy. I mean, but, I mean, 
the colony always, you know, whips out the crazy stuff against Lone Star. I mean, we oh, saw it last year. Pops the coach Ryan Gale now. And he's they be bringing it. Right? Yeah. Rudy. He brings out all the stops against Lone Star. They had two onside kicks. They they uh, attempted two fake punts, which they converted. From I love it. Punts. Yeah, just a total kitchen sink game. Yeah, exactly. Lone Star turned the ball over three times. The colony mm. did not. You know, it's it's every little thing had to go the colony's way. Yeah, it was like a. It seemed like a perfect storm for somebody that wasn't at the game. It seemed like a perfect storm mm-hmm. of Lone Star having its first kind of like. Not even down effort, but just not being perfect and mm-hmm. not and facing some adversity and like you said, turning the ball over. And then the colony with no expectations, nobody picked them to win that game. They were like, "Let's just go out and do crazy stuff, and see what happens." You got nothing to lose at that point. Yeah, yeah so. why not? And you know that was the first time all year that Lone Star hadn't had the game locked up mm-hmm. by the end of the first quarter. And so I think they were like, uh, "Well, <laughs> what is this? Was, What's it happening?" Was also the kind of game that is probably good for both programs because if oh, you're Lone Star. You've now experienced somebody actually testing you and having to win a game that you did not bring your best effort. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was not the Lone Star team that beat Highland Park. And for the Colony, you kind of, I mean, you didn't quite get there, but the showing has got to make them feel a little better after, like you mentioned, the games against like Centennial and mm-hmm. just some Heritage. of the stinkers they've had yeah. that, you know, they've, they've still won, but now the Colony's like, okay, you know, we didn't win, but that was a better effort, and that's more indicative of maybe what we can be. But the real winner, and my man Devin can attest to this, is whoever wins the district championship in District 75A because they won't have to see Lone Star or Highland Park into the regional final. <laughs> they stay on that other side of the bracket and get their one shot to swing on the bullet. And you brought up a good point, man. Lone Star should have just lost the game. It's <laughs> 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 the fifth round, man. Uh, now they're going to have to face them, what, third round? Third round, yep. Yeah, it'll be the third round between them and Highland Park. Right. Theoretically, it's going to happen at some point. I know, so. but it's not right. Third round... That's a state championship game yeah, in the third round. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like so, so with the Colony, it's because it, it was weird because they did come into this one with a lot of really inconsistent results. You mentioned the game against you know, Centennial, and then it was, what was it, Heritage? They were kind of going yeah. back and forth in the first half with. Two, two weeks ago against Heritage, it was 21-21 yeah. going into the half. It was, but, but a lot of that was centered on like, okay, their defense has just been really up and down. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think any of us ever doubted that they have the ability to score on just about anybody. Yeah. When you look at the skill position yeah. talent that they do have, I mean, and that's the thing about this matchup that I think kind of got a little overlooked and that all oh, Lone Star just going to murder them is that like Lone Star still hasn't seen a team with that level of skill position talent the Miles Prices the Keith Millers the Christian Gonzalez's guys that can all like in one play just swing the balance of a contest and then you factor that in with a with a creative coaching mind like Rudy Rangel and it was the perfect mix between a, a you know a, an approach that was so like just beyond the pale and just the kind of chances that you needed to take in order to you know make a team like Lone Star uncomfortable and also have having the talent to execute that. Um, and yeah, you got a game that was every bit as good as its predecessor, albeit in a completely different fashion, because it looked like this was going to be kind of, uh, you know, bearing some uh, some shades of that meeting last year in the first half. And then, like you said, third, fourth quarter, it was just haymaker after haymaker. And yeah, Jake Bogdan with the uh, with the game-winning touchdown run with what was like three, four minutes left. and four, Yeah, a little over four minutes left. It was a 55-yarder. Mm-hmm. I was seeing the Lone Star kids on Twitter calling him the GOAT. <laughs> no, it's pretty entertaining, man. He's been, he's been you know, a really low-key you know, yeah. major player for them, especially you know, guys like Marvin Mims and Garrett Ringel. They're getting all the all the shine mm-hmm. you know, on that team and, and obviously the defense. But Jake Bogdan is, is a guy that should deserve more recognition. I was, it was really good to see that he had those two big uh, yeah. second-half touchdowns. It does also just go to show how freaking good this Lone Star team is, mm-hmm. that even despite all of that, again, and the ultimate kitchen sink game from the Colony, and it still wasn't enough. It's going to take a pretty stout effort to take down this team if somebody is able to in the postseason. And even though the Colony didn't win, it, this 
that was a perfect you know outcome for both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it stings for the Colony. They expected to win. Uh, they always do. But you know, Lone Star they needed a game like that because if they would have got punched in the mouth like that, you know, even first, second, mm-hmm. third, fourth round of the playoffs, and they you know hadn't been in that situation before, maybe not know how to react. Who knows? Then they'd be you know obviously not headed to state. Mm-hmm. You know, like the number one team in the, in the state should be. And the Colony they lost in the first round of the playoffs last year after that great season. Yeah. So they needed a game like this as well to kind of say, hey, maybe we we do have the confidence. We you know we we are good enough you know to be you know competing with the, these uh, the states uh, elite. So I, I, it was. It was a much-needed game for you know both sides. Particularly when you look at what's ahead for the Colony now as they enter this stretch. That This is the stretch that's going to ultimately determine what they are and where they stack up yeah. in this district because this week it's Wakeland. Next week it's Independence. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, to have a performance like this to at least get you a little bit of momentum, um, you know, you'll see. We'll, uh, we'll see what it means. But, yeah, that game was sounded like an absolute thriller, man. Um, and then over in District uh, 7-5A Division One, you guys alluded to it earlier. Uh, we're inching ever ever closer to a uh, to McKinney North and Mesquite Poteet for a uh, for a potential we'll district title. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, how are we uh, between Kendrick and Devin? How are we feeling right now with uh, with just a few weeks left of this thing? Um, well, first off, you got to see McKinney North for the first I time, did. Devin. So, um, so yeah, just what is uh, what was your read on your first uh, look at the Bulldogs as uh, they uh, as they were able to pull away and get a win over West Mesquite? They're about as advertised as mm-hmm. far as you know, Kendrick Scott report. Um, I mean, they rolled up over 600 yards and 56 points. Um, an offense that's just going to be really, really tough to slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other side of the ball, there's there's question marks. <laughs> West Mesquite, uh, for the most part. Now, to make any North's credit, they did shut out West Mesquite in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. um, on Friday. West Mesquite kind of shot themselves in the foot a couple times. But um, to hold them to basically two first downs on those first two drives and allow them to turn, you know, what was still a, a game that had some doubt mm. into a comfortable lead and a yeah. comfortable win, um, you know, credit to that McKinney North defense then. Um, but again, for the first three quarters, in the third quarter in particular, they, you know, they combined for 42 points. It was just trading touchdowns up and down, up and down the field. And I think that's what you're going to see a lot from McKinney North mm-hmm. going down the stretch. Maybe not. I, I think they'll beat Tyler, John Tyler this week. That's obviously another huge game because John Tyler, there's three undefeated teams at this point. Yeah. McKinney North at 4-0. John Tyler and Poteet both at 3-0. Um, I, I do think that McKinney North is better than John Tyler this year. And they'll go five and zero, and it'll set up that uh, set the showdown with Poteet at the mm-hmm. end, um, you know. But again, it's it's going to be that that defense, and, and that's going to be the the biggest question mark, and not just in that Poteet game, but as yeah. they go into the playoffs. What um as far as the uh, see, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll learn kind of how that three way log jam is going to sort itself out in the weeks to come. Because what is it, McKinney North and John Tyler? That game's Thursday. Um, Poteet, Poteet and John Tyler's Poteet. the following week, yeah. and then McKinney North and Poteet the following week. So, um, as far as the the number four seed goes, though, um, kind of what's your what's y'all's read on that right now? As far as who uh, who might have the inside track between the other four teams in the district? I'm going to text Arcana, and I I don't like, like talking about teams I haven't seen play. I think they're good enough that they'll beat West Mesquite because West Mesquite got to go that travel. You mm-hmm. know, that yellow dog and travel for two hours will make a big difference. Yeah, it won't make a difference. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the road trips, it's just not, nothing big. Uh, he, you know, he's keep, the same guy, people, that said you know, McKinney North was a fraud until this week. <laughs> I think those are putting words in my mouth there. Um, but, uh, you know, two years ago, Texarkana yeah. was undefeated. Uh, you know, ten and zero, yeah. and West Mesquite went out there as the fourth seed and beat them in yeah. Texarkana. Um, I think you know Texas High. They've had a great run over the last two decades. Mm-hmm. We talked about that, but we even said it last year. How are they going to fare when they're in 
um, you know, without a doubt, a tougher district, and they didn't even make the playoffs last year. Yeah, I still think West Mesquite. Um, you know, they had Ty Jordan is one of the most electric players in this area, um, and I think he's a difference maker. And, and I, again, we don't get to see Texas High very often. We can only kind of compare it with mm-hmm. you know common results. You know, that they they got beat by Poteet fifty one to ten. I mean, they against the contenders they lost by a wide margin in all three of those games. Um, you know, again, that's going to be – Texas is probably going to come in. Uh, you know, they're 1-3 right now. They play Wiley East. Um, so that's probably going to be a win for them. And then, you know, it sets up. It's, it's going to be them in West Mesquite. Um, you know, likely in Texas County on that last day. I just mm. think West Mesquite is a better team. Yeah. 7-5A Division Two. Now, Taylor, last week on the podcast, I was worried you were about to have a stroke trying to, like, make sense of this district because of just how <laughs> – topsy-turvy these results have been no it didn't so we will somehow again we'll try to regroup and make sense of this because frisco fell from the ranks of the unbeaten and wouldn't you know man a a bizarre game with them in denison 10 to 7 so yeah brian what was your reaction to this one when you first laid eyes on that uh final score the first initial thought was okay frisco may not win the district title now possibly mm-hmm. but another thing i really thought of that really hurt reedy that's worse yeah, for that yes huge. that was bad for reedy mm-hmm. it is much because worse reedy, reedy would have the tiebreaker over denison and mm-hmm. beat them head-to-head 35 32 but now denison picked up that unexpected win now they're you know still four and one reedy's mm-hmm. there you know they're three and three with with two games left and the one thing I'll say uh, is that Reedy will be five and three. They will. You know, Reedy has they have Princeton probably and the Lebanon easier. Yeah. Yeah. And so they'll be five and three. But if you look at it, if you say, okay, Lovejoy, they still first go in that final game. Say they lose to, to Lovejoy, they'll still be five and three. They'll have the tiebreak over Reedy. Mm-hmm. Now, Denison, they should – let me see who they have left. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't know who. Uh, they have Memorial and Lovejoy. So that Lovejoy game uh, and Braswell. So they have Lovejoy and Braswell. They could – yeah, they still have the the, they have the thick of their schedule as far as this week, and that mm-hmm. should be a win. Yeah, uh, and then so that would put them at five wins, and so Reedy has to hope Lovejoy and Braswell both beat Denison because then they would have the tiebreaker over them. But you know, Denison, you know, flying high, just beat Frisco. I don't see them losing both of those games. I, I, it's it's crazy. It's going to come down. There's going to be so many five win teams mm-hmm. and so many tiebreakers. <laughs> and as of now, it looks like Reedy's going to be. There's the going to be a down. very competitive football team that doesn't make the postseason. It's yeah. one of those districts where it's not all just for show either. Like, I think the five teams that are competing for playoff spots are very good and mm-hmm. very competitive and very solid, and one of them is just flat out not going to get in. And right now, like you said, I mean, it, it's bad news for Reedy. I mean, they just they need to stay tethered to Denison at all yeah. costs because that's the only one that they have Seriously. among those uh, those yeah. top-tier teams. And, yeah, that was a uh, that was a rough one right for Reedy's now? chances. Is Braswell the best team right now? I'm not saying yeah. that. I think so. They certainly seem to be trending upwards in a way that the others. Frisco, or Frisco, I should say, got Braswell really early, Mm -hmm. and that was a close game. I think if you replay that one, Braswell might might win that football game. That's a really good team. To challenge to the playoffs, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They got that new enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Really good. Still, and that's the last game of the season. Could very well be for the district title between Denison and Braswell. (laughs) It's crazy to think in hindsight. Two weeks ago, who would have thought that? Yeah, yeah. We're not going to know anything about you know it, it's going to be going into that last week we're going to mm-hmm. have all the scenarios but as of right now it could still go one of 87 yeah. different ways like it's it's still so up in the air but just some of the numbers from this dennis and frisco game such an uncharacteristic yeah, night for frisco just 157 yards of total offense bryson clemens accounted for 148 of them <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's like almost like they went back to their you know wing t i obviously i wasn't at the game i didn't see what happened but Kari green two for 18 yeah Two for 18 passing, 10 yards, yeah. 
they committed 16 penalties for 100 yards. Um, yeah, yeah just a, everything that had been, you know, that had paved that unbeaten road for Frisco just completely went out the window. And fair play to Denison on that one, because mm-hmm. even though Denison, like, they didn't have a spectacular game running the ball in their own right. You know, they didn't have a running back that cleared 70 yards, <laughs> but it was... Um, it, it, according to these stats, you know, three different rushers... But uh, accounted for at least 18 yard, or 18 carries, and none of them had over 3.1. But it was just carry. an exercise in clock control because yeah. you look at the snap count. They, I mean, they run 78 players on offense versus Frisco only running 51. Yeah. And Denison's kind yeah. of been that way all year. With yeah. their, you would think Jadarian Price gets 30 carries a game, but it's mm-hmm. really not that way. They haven't been that way all year. They spread it around uh, Asa Osborne, and then they have a couple other guys even that you know it, it's kind of been their mo all year to go almost series by series with different guys. So it's not super shocking, but it is shocking that. They had as little success as they had after some of the some of the efforts they put up. Yeah, I think it was just kind of a game plan of just keeping that uh, that first goal offense yeah. off the field. Because you look at Caleb Hevener, the quarterback, twenty two carries. You mentioned Osborne; he had twenty two carries as well, and Jadarian Price had eighteen. Yep. I mean that's that's wild. And Bryson Clements had twenty carries, and that was yeah, it was just a uh, the kind of laying a bit of a blueprint now. It's curious to see if teams have the personnel to kind of replicate that going forward. But it's weird not seeing Chase Lowry in the box score too. Yeah, that's that was odd. So um, so yeah, that uh, that result definitely uh, rocked the foundation of, of District Seven Five A Division Two. Um, we have some action over in Six A as well that we can get to in just a moment. Um, including we'll uh, we'll be talking with uh, plenty of Plano senior. Plano ISD District 96A as a whole coming up, um, and that relates to our student-athlete spotlight. I had a chance to swing by Plano Senior High to talk with their stud running back, Tylan Hines, fresh off a huge performance in the uh, Wildcats' big rivalry win over Plano East, and we will see what Tylan had to say after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. We are at Plano Senior High School talking with Plano Senior uh, running back Tylan Hines. Uh, Tylan, first off, thank you for taking the time to join us on the podcast for today. Sure. Uh, Tylan and the Wildcats coming off a, a big rivalry win last week against Plano East, 42-20. to 20. Uh, Tylan, you had a big hand in that, obviously. Um, well, first off, I mean, the, the Plano-Plano East game just means so much around uh, around this campus. So uh, to get that rivalry win, just what was the energy like afterwards and just celebrating that one? Uh, of course, it was like Plano City champs. And that's like it's a big robbery. So just for us to put in our hard work and that paid off to give us that result. Mm-hmm. Now, so. uh, like I said, you had a, obviously a huge hand in that outcome. Is that was that a career high for you? Two sixty one. Yes, sir. It a Feels like high. it. That's a pretty that's a pretty yeah. big number. Yes, sir. So, yeah, you mean you had two hundred sixty one rushing yards, three touchdowns. Um, so just kind of put that performance into perspective and just what was clicking so well with the run game and for your uh, for yourself on Friday. Yes, sir. Our offensive line is improving greatly. They started out young, but now they been like they acting like veterans now mm-hmm. and I'm just proud of their hard work and the team executing. You mentioned just you know now being the uh, the Plano City champions and to do so by beating East given just the uh, the history between these two schools is the uh, does the energy ever feel any different for the Plano Plano East game compared to any of the other ones or because obviously I'm sure you guys know a lot of them they know a lot of you just talk a bit about the the rivalry aspect of this. Yeah uh, well no matter their record they're always going to come out hard because mm-hmm. it's a rivalry game and of course the brothers they all battling and just trying to see who come out with the win. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always a good game. And now, uh, now you've uh, you've kind of come on strong these last two weeks, especially because you were pretty big the week before in the win over McKinney. Um, is there anything that's kind of changed for the offense that's kind of enabled you to get going to this capacity? Or I really just working hard, just yeah. touching up on some 
few factors, and we just been improving, really. Right. And I mean, yeah, the offense in general just hit um, has been in a, in a nice way for quite some time now. You can throw the ball, you can run the ball. Yes, um, so just talk a bit about um, kind of working with this offense this season and just what has kind of enabled y'all to kind of take that next step and just your overall productivity. Well, yeah, of course, we got a good passing game and uh, running game. We have a lot of targets on the team, like Christian Sabatini, oh, yeah. uh, Nolan Williams, Jaden Chambers. Uh, we have a great quarterback, um, Oliver Towns. Our line is progressing, like everything is just clicking well. Now this is your uh, your second year uh, running uh, as a running back here at uh, here at Plano. You know, last year you were with a uh, you know kind of a kind of a three headed running back uh, yes, trio sir. between you, uh, Kyron Cumby, and Cody Christ. Um, yes, you know, Kyron has since you know gone on to graduate, but um, you can kind of see a little bit of a, a little uh, comparison between you and uh, Kyron with just your ability to kind of take any any carry and seemingly take it to the distance. Um, just talk about um, kind of getting to I guess play with Kyron last year and just kind of the influence that he had on you. Oh yeah, Kyron took me under his wing. He was a real great player. He taught me a lot of things, and I appreciate him for that. He's doing well in the college level right now. I appreciate everything. Now, you guys are obviously both very fast. Uh, I know he's got a couple years on you, but uh, could you ever beat Kyron in a race last year? Or? No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty fast. Yeah, he's world class beat. Uh, yeah, I mean that obviously, and not just Kyron, but there's um, you know there's a lot of storied running backs that have come through this program. Not just guys like Kyron, but you know, like even just in, over the last decade, guys like Brandon mm, Stevens, yeah. Rex Burkhead. I mean, the running back position, it's it means something here at Plano Senior High School. So, just yes, what does it mean to to you to try to help kind of carry on that uh, that tradition and that legacy of of Plano running backs? I mean, I I feel like I have big shoes to fill, mm -hmm. and like Plano's always had great running backs. So, I mean, it, if, I feel great greatly. Happy to just be rewarded to start at running back yeah. right now. So I mean, I'm honored. Now you guys are coming up with a pretty, uh, pretty big stretch. You know, over these next few weeks, you get Jesuit. You know, this Friday, then Boyd, then Prosper. As you guys look to try to lock down a playoff berth, I believe a win Friday would do that. You know, could potentially yes, lock down a playoff spot. So just um, in order to, I guess, bring that uh, that goal to fruition, just kind of talk about what needs to, I guess, continue working well for the Wildcats in the weeks to come. I believe we just need to keep what we do, keep doing what we're doing right now. Just improving every week, day by day. We we'll just work hard and we will get that spot in the playoffs. Awesome. Well, guess what, yes, Talon? That is all I had for you, man. Hey, I appreciate you appreciate taking the time you. to chat. Once again, this is Talon Hines running back here at Plano Senior High School. They, uh, they look to keep rolling Friday at Jesuit. Should be a fun one. Yes, sir. Big thanks to Talon Hines for taking the time to chat for our Student Athlete Spotlight, and let's keep on sizing up where things are at with our respective high school football districts. Over at 6A, and we just finished talking with the stud running back for Plano Senior, so let's stick with that and talk about District 96A, which feels like we're starting to get a little bit of clarity on the playoff yeah. picture. We might have an idea of who our four teams I was are. Say, at least the teams, maybe. maybe not the order, oh no, the order is still way up for the end of the year because we have three teams that are tied for second place yeah. at three and one with Prosper Plano Senior and Jesuit, and wouldn't you know, two of those teams play this week, Plano and Jesuit. Uh, Taylor, you got to see the rivalry game, the latest installment of the Plano-Plano East rivalry, and um, you know, we were talking about just this, all the, all the progress that Plano's made through the air, and lo and behold, oh yeah, they can still run the ball pretty well too, and uh, you got to see that with Tylen Hines. Yeah, and it's, man, it, it kind of went back to an offense where they didn't really have to stretch the field too mm -hmm. much. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do, they were up 14 nothing on two 55-yard runs from mm. Hines within, you know, their first two drives. So, you know, you, they got up 14 nothing, and Oliver Towns, they asked him to be efficient, make the passes he had to make, take what was there, and he did. You know, I think that's even just the difference for Plano. Like, they have a quarterback that's very capable of, you know, if they have to stretch the field, he and Chambers and Smith and, yeah. and those guys can do it. But if not, he also has that game where, you know, it's – 
third and eight, and he finds his little 12 yard, you know, up the seam and, and does the, the little things in the passing game that they didn't used to have. Mm-hmm. But it certainly helps when you get 260 from yeah. Kylan Hines. Yeah. I mean, that dude is really electric. His best game in the season by far. He could have done this against other teams, I'm sure. He just <laughs> happened to, to finally kind of break out. Kayvon Hamilton wasn't there for East. That's a big part of yeah. that East defense is, is kind of in shambles. They're walking wounded right now. Yeah. But uh, the, the, the talk about Hines, I saw him last week against McKinney. He reminds me of uh, another previous uh, running back, Ky- Kyron Cutting. Oh, yeah. So if he's bigger, it's like... I said that a bunch last year. This man, 20 carries a game, he's putting up 200 yards a yeah. game. So, he's I mean, that talented. The, the and, thing, and the quarterback towns, yeah. very impressed with him, very efficient. You said the third downs last week. I know you were in the McKinney yeah. game. They completed a 15, yep. two 12s, a 6, and a 5 in that yep. first half to get that 42-14 mm-hmm. lead. And if, if yep. What you said is exactly what he did last week. Yeah, yeah. It was like he had that, to do it. It too. was like that against Plano East, too, because they had... They didn't punt until, like, their fifth or sixth possession, I think. I, I don't remember wow. exactly what it was. But they scored on a fourth, like, way down inside East Territory. They made plenty of third-down conversions, especially, like, right at the beginning of the game. Um, and, and just overall, I think it was a big game from Plano just because they it's they kind of have a reputation, I think, lately of just being up and down and, and kind of not, especially in, in the rivalry games and the ones that are kind of crazy. I think it was big for Plano to come out and just put that game away. Mm-hmm. You know, East hung around. They were only down eight at halftime. Then Plano comes out in the second half, gets the ball first, scores, gets a stop, and then scores again. And it's like, okay, no, we're, we're going to put this one away. It was like 35-13. So that offense is legit, man. Yeah. I mean, the, the defense, you know, East didn't have Dylan Hayden at quarterback. Ryan Faust started again. Um, you know, trade. <laughs> trade. Jones Scott went wild. Yeah, had, a great, a big game, yeah. he had a great game in his own right, but that offense is just not – doing a whole lot to, to test defenses right now. I mean, Trey's going to have his his nights where he just goes off because he's just athletic enough to, to have that kind of night. I mean, he had like 100 and, I don't know, 60, 70, something like that, total yards of, of offense. He's just that good that mm-hmm. he's going to get some people. But the Plano offense, I think, is what really impressed me. Like I said, they have a legitimate quarterback that, that can run that offense. Hines is so explosive. They didn't even really use Cody Chris. They didn't really even have to. They put him in. A couple times in the red zone, you know, out of that wildcat like they like to do. They didn't really have to even go to him. Was he being used a bit more on defense? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He played a lot of defense and, and yeah. obviously, you know, very good. But yeah, at the yeah. same time, it's it's nice to have a night where you don't have to, you know, even empty the tank. It was just a good, solid, efficient offensive performance, and it was good enough. It's uh, That was Plano's third win in a row, and yeah. they were uh, they're right in the thick of the playoff mix. Now they do have a pretty challenging close to the season with mm-hmm. a game you know, Friday against Jesuit, and then two weeks after that they face Prosper. Um, and then, uh, so if there are two teams that could potentially kind of sneak up and maybe threaten for that last playoff spot, um, you know, they've both surrendered the, you know, the, the head-to-head to Plano, so they'll have to find a way to mm-hmm. leapfrog the Wildcats, but this Friday's game between Plano East and McKinney feels like a playoff eliminator. Yeah, yeah, whoever we'll lose See you next year. Yeah, I, 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 it's hard to say who. I, I see them both from play. I'm leaning towards McKinney, but it's a, basically the, the do coach talking. I don't like doing the cliche. Whoever makes the least turnovers, <laughs> whoever turns over mm-hmm. while the least will win this game. That that is the one thing I'll say about East. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it's weird when you get spanked in a, in a rivalry game like that by that many points. But at the same time, it was certainly cleaner for East. You know, they they were without a lot of pieces, especially on. Uh, defense. Dylan Hayden, as I mentioned, played some receiver but didn't play quarterback, and and he's clearly been the best option under center for them. So who knows mm-hmm. if he'll you know even line up back there? The shoulder's still bothering him. But at the same time, you know you go from a game against Allen, and granted it's Allen, but where you have three turnovers in the first quarter and you're 
you're done before you know you even can look up and, and blink. But you know, against Plano, they just flat out got beat because Plano's the better football team. But the effort, the special teams effort, which has plagued them a ton, was better. The turnovers were better. I, I still don't think they have enough to beat McKinney, especially if Hayden's not mm-hmm. healthy, which who knows what's going on with that. I think that McKinney's just a little bit more consistent. But, yeah, I mean, it, at this point for East, I think it's just kind of about putting some stuff together, playing cleaner, and, and building some, some good momentum for next season if you don't you know somehow sneak in the postseason. Not getting beat by Plano West next yeah. week. <laughs> not getting beat by Plano West, which is a legitimate <laughs> Nobody concern, wants to be that think. team. Yeah. Well, but Pops didn't play the West first time I saw them play. Somebody's going to be that team. It won't get to 40. I have confidence that streaks on the mm-hmm. end early next year or oh, yeah. maybe against East. Well, they'll get to – They'll I play – they'll schedule a more, yeah. more reasonable non-district yeah. schedule than – They've had a tough yeah, non-district. Than Flower Mound and Mesquite. And, and, so, yeah. yeah, you would have to think they'd schedule some uh, – some winnable games, but yeah. we'll see. The other, uh, the other notable takeaway from 96A on Friday was um, there was a battle between the last two remaining unbeaten teams in the district, Allen and Jesuit. And <laughs> question, guys, who's the only, uh, who's the only remaining undefeated team in District 96A? Yeah. Allen wasn't just playing any games. No, so put it that no way. they weren't. That's some things just never, never they went changed. a little deeper in the playbook. It seemed like, and, and kind of reminded everybody. It was the. <laughs> It was the first time since the opener against Cedar Hill when it felt like Allen kind of unchained its offense. And, like, I mainly say that one because uh, this was the first time since the opener that they made an actual effort to run Raylan Sharp, mm-hmm. which is something that they had not been doing, partly because, you know, Sharp had been nursing an ankle injury early in the season, and then the matchups hadn't really necessitated that they had to, you know, really go, you know, go to that level. And they were running Sharp much more. He led the team in carries with 14 for, uh, you know, 96 yards. And granted, a few of those were on sacks in the second half. This is the yards per carry were in the yeah. double digits after the, uh, you know, at halftime. Allen amassed almost 500 yards of offense in the first half. And Jesuit, which is com- coming off just this such an impressive blowout of Prosper where they were up, you know, where they ended up beating him 41-14. to 14. They were down 41-17 to 17 at the half in this one. And it's it was... Like we, we had the conversation Friday when we all came back to the office about how it was a lot like that game against Plano East from Allen last year. Yeah. It was a team that was feeling really good about itself, coming into Eagle Stadium, we're undefeated, we're going to make a game out of this, and Allen reminded everybody exactly no. <laughs> exactly how this usually goes. Were you at that game? I was. You thought they showed in the Cowboy game last night. Oh, did they? I was watching the Cowboy game last night. They showed highlights from the Allen and the Desiree game. Yeah, yeah, not really. Yeah, there were plenty of them. I mean, you had the Green Twins, Blaine and Bryson. They both had spectacular nights. Bryson, if you go to you know Twitter, you go to YouTube and check out the video highlights. He had a touchdown where he you know catches a screen pass. He spins off one Jesuit defender. Looks like he's getting tackled by another and drags the Jesuit defensive back ten yards down to the one where he extends over the goal line for the touchdown. Just some incredible, incredible strength on that touchdown. And then his twin brother Blaine has an 87-yard touchdown catch on the following series. They just, they did as they pleased. And it was it was really kind of like that uh, that first performance of the, uh, the district season when like, okay, there is a very, the usual clear line of demarcation between Allen and everybody else in that this district. That reminded me of when uh, Tom Brady uh, gave the chant, we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> Allen is the New England Patriots. <laughs> Yeah. And that was their game saying, hey, 
we're still here. We're still Allen. It's yeah, and then the run game. I mean, their, their defense. I don't want to leave out the defense. I mean, they held that Jesuit run game, which was so effective against Prosper. And I mean, EJ Smith was able to do some stuff in the passing game that you know that hurt him a bit in the first half. But I mean, they held EJ to just 23 rushing yards and like 10 carries. Um, I mean, yeah, the running game was only around like two, three yards a carry for much of that first half, and they just couldn't get that going. And that's kind of what Jesuit needs to be able to make the uh, the machine flow as it has. Um, so yeah, just uh, you know, Allen doing the usual Allen thing, and they're all alone and look to be on their way uh, to a, uh, what would be, I guess, a 14th consecutive district championship. Um, let's see, over in District 66A, we got a juicy one coming up on Friday in the latest installment of the Mound Showdown between Flower Mound and Marcus. Albeit a matchup that took a little bit of a hit with uh, with Flower Mound taking a uh, you know its first loss in district last week to, uh, to Hebron um, in a game that was, you know, had the signs of this was a competitive game for three quarters, and then Hebron gets two touchdowns there in the fourth on kind of a bang-bang sequence where, you know, you score one on a uh, on a touchdown pass from Carson Harris to Jedi Henry. They get a turnover the following series, and then it's it's Harris to Henry once more, and just like that, it's 31-11, and it looks like a, uh, you know, a, a blowout win of, of sorts, um, but that definitely a, a, a needed performance from Hebron coming off of that loss to, uh, to Marcus to kind of, you know, bounce back and just look a bit more like the, uh, you know, the uh, the district championship caliber team that they had at least shown signs of being throughout the season. Um, with Flower Mound, it's. You know, a lot of this kind of went against the grain for what Flower Mound's shown. 300 yards of offense, that's a down night big time for what that unit has shown. They, uh, you know, Blake Short's intercepted four times. Now, I know Hebron has a really solid defense, but that's very uncharacteristic. Um, it's just the, the run game only averages, you know, 2.9 yards mm-hmm. per carry. Um, it's just when you factor in how they fared against Hebron and against Prosper, it's kind of, it's perhaps maybe a tad alarming that mm-hmm. against arguably the two best defenses they've seen this season, that Flower Mound's offense has fallen a bit short um, and that's I mean that'll get tested once again on Friday because Marcus has what's been a really stout defense they held Hebron to just 14 points I mean Marcus almost lost though in its own right <laughs> against Capel and that just shows you just how wheels off this district uh, can be because you have a team like Capel which you know is you know all signs are pointing to Capel most likely being that odd team out and missing the playoffs heck right now technically Capel is in sixth place in this district because of the way the <laughs> schedule is been aligned. Irving MacArthur is technically in fifth place at two and two, albeit Irving MacArthur and Capel have already played this season and Capel beat him 42 to six. But that's because, you know, MacArthur still has to play the Louisville ISD schools, you know, over the uh, the back end of the schedule. Um, you know, Capel, I mean, then Capel, though, gave Mar- Marcus all a good handle. This one went into overtime, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, you know, it was Tyler Ganey who put that game away with a uh, with a touchdown, and then it was, uh, you know, Jaden Robinson, a receiver who was playing some defensive back. He got a pass deflection there to uh, to preserve the uh, the victory in, uh, in overtime, and Marcus escapes with a 15-7 victory. They're going back to the playoffs. That's got to be a great feeling after being the odd team out and they're still they're the only undefeated team left yeah, in this district so just champion. like that yeah this mound showdown is so huge because if if flower mound wins then hebron marcus and flower mound granted marcus has the you know the win over hebron but it would just be all a jumbled mess with everybody having one loss and beating each other if if marcus wins they go to <coughs> what five and oh in district yeah or to stay undefeated they've beaten they would have beaten both flower mound and hebron i mean that makes them the instant title favorite 
We're in a scenario where if Flyerman were to take down Marcus, we could conceivably have a four-way tie for first place yeah. this time next week because Hebron is going to take care of Nimitz. Louisville is going to take care of MacArthur. Um, so, yeah, that would be, uh, oh, boy, an absolute ice cream headache type. Yeah, why do you hate on urban schools? <laughs> I mean, I'm just going off of what the results have shown, Devin. It is what it is. <laughs> I wish they were in a different district, too. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, it is, uh, we're, sh- we're shipping up for a, uh, a, pretty, a pretty fun little uh, home stretch for District 66A. Um, I guess the same could be said for District 106A as well, Devin, <laughs> as we try to uh, make sense of a... Uh, level of uh, same level of team. But, but definitely a district that is, that's not lacking in games that are like competitive it's, going yeah. down to the wire and I mean yeah dude Rowlett it is just <laughs> yeah there's there's been 16 games and four of them have been decided by one point and three of those involve Rowlett um, I wonder what finally they come out came out on the wrong side of that last week. There's no way to know this, but I wonder what the uh, what the record is for the most one point games for a, for a team in a single season because that's pretty incredible that Rowlett's doing well, this. Three's got to be close in, in this day think. and age. You know, you go back to, to old school football. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of seven to six games because it was defensive. But in today with the spread and I mean, and, and that's the thing about Rowlett. Last week was fourteen to thirteen. And the opener against Naaman mm-hmm. was seven to six. You see some of these forty-eight, forty-seven games, but it's not just that they're they're involved in one-point games; they're low-scoring one-point games. It's a little bit tougher on the eyes. And, and I just I think that if you look at any of the top six teams in this district, are capable of beating each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a four-way tie right now with three and one with Rowlett, Saxey, Lakeview, Wiley. But then you look at North Garland at one and three. Mm-hmm. Well, North Garland lost by one point against Rowlett. They lost by three against Saxe on Friday. Uh, they beat Lakeview in the district opener. Um, so, you know, they're certainly capable of, of you know, still factoring into this race. But, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those that's it's going to go down to the last week, and, and, and it's going to be fun, you know, playing point differentials and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, obviously a huge game this week. Uh, Saxony and Lakeview. Mm-hmm. I, I think these two, I, I give them a slight edge over Rowlett and Wiley when we're talking mm-hmm. district title contenders. Um, I think Lakeview probably has the best player in the district in Kamar Wheaton. Cool. They're outstanding running back who needed only eight carries uh, last week to get to 200 yards. Uh, <laughs> to eight for 200 and three touchdowns. So, um, and that was against it, you know, a solid Wiley. I mean, a, a, I'm sorry, a, a, a lose my train of thought here a good Garland team that yeah. was loaded up to stop him mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't matter I mean, I mean he's just one of yeah. those guys there, there's a reason that he's he's rated as the number one running back in the country uh, for the class of 2021 because he's got he's got the size he's got the speed um, you know when they lost to, to North Garland earlier he was banged up at mm-hmm. the first part of the district and I think with him healthy and other guys like Garnet Burke and the, some of the playmakers they have I think that kind of puts them on a little bit different level Saxe doesn't quite have the number of playmakers they They've had in years past. They're still going to factor into the mm. in the equation. I, I do think the winner of Thursday's game goes on and wins district. But as the first month is showing us, I mean, yeah. with all these close games, tight games, it, it, nothing would surprise me coming down the stretch with this group. We could be for Lakeview. They won district since '94, being an alum. So I, before I was even in school, there it's been decades. It's Oof. been a while. Over in District 116, we can close out with a look there. Oh boy, uh, how how big a sigh of relief do you think Jeff Fleener and his staff were breathing after Friday over yeah. Mesquite? And, and we talked about it uh, last week. It's, it's almost a de facto playoff game mm-hmm. for Mesquite. Not that I mean they close with Rockwall and Longview. Not to say that Mesquite's not capable of beating Rockwall or Longview, but you don't want to be in a position where that's a must-win. 
Yeah. Wait, what I say? So are they capable of beating <laughs> Rockwell? Yeah, I was gonna say, I'll tell you, like, if, if you don't want to say it, I'll probably go ahead. And say yeah. No, they're, capable of beating they're not going to beat either here. of those two teams. <laughs> I, you know what? They hung for Rock, with Rockwell for three quarters last year. Longview, not so much. Um, and again, Rockwell. You know, when we talked about it a couple weeks ago, we didn't know what, if they were going to be at full strength. Mm. Uh, they obviously are, and and they yeah. got back to a hundred percent, not necessarily a hundred percent, and it showed they beat you know North Mesquite seventy six to seven, and yeah. uh, just putting up those numbers. But uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as last week against Tata Lee, uh, Tata Lee that came in a team that came in two and zero, and you know just. Mesquite's down 14 to three going to the fourth quarter. They just couldn't get anything going. Tyler Lee has Jamari Miller, uh, an outstanding sophomore running back. They just pounded him on the ground, and Mesquite just couldn't get get their offense on the field and get them in any rhythm because they weren't ever out there. Yeah. And uh, finally, uh, Mesquite's able to break through. Uh, Ladarius Turner scores on a touchdown run early in the in the fourth quarter. They go for two and make it to make it a three point game. Um, and, and even then, though Tyler Lee just kept playing keep away. And the defense finally got caught, you know, made the stand to get him the ball back. Uh, they had a huge play. Dylan Hiller McGill finds KB Frazier for a 41 yard gain with less than 20 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go back to Jatravian Rudd, who catches a four yard touchdown pass with seven seconds left as they complete the comeback. And, and like I say, a, a season saving victory potentially because yeah. Mesquite now sits at three and one. They're tied for second place with Rockwall at three and one. Longview, obviously, the alone unbeaten at three and zero. But again, that it's we'll see what happens. Uh, y'all already writing it off as they're gonna, they're going to finish three and three. Coach Fleener, I, I believe y'all have a chance to win those, both those games. But uh, if even if they don't, there's a good chance that they finish in a tiebreaker situation. And mm-hmm. having already, you know, they lost the head to head against Horn. So having that head to head now against Tyler Lee mm-hmm. could be huge, huge, huge. Um, at season's end, uh, and then with Horn, I mean, are we uh, are we looking at a scenario where it's basically winning your end for Horn and Tyler Lee at the last week of the season, or just what's the read right now and kind of where Horn's at relative to the rest of the uh, of the district? I mean, Horn is one and two, um, and they do close with Tyler Lee, mm-hmm. but uh, you know they have Rockwell Heath and North Mesquite, the two winless teams coming yeah. up next. So there's a very good chance they'll be three and two going in that game. Uh, Lee, meanwhile, has that Rockwall Longview back-to-back. Okay. So, that's, <laughs> so they're going to be... They're you know, probably going to be two and three. So, so yeah, but um, then you start to look at it. Tyler Lee beats Horn in that final game. Then you have the Lee, Mesquite, Horn all tied at three mm-hmm. and three, and that's when the point differential and everything mm-hmm. comes, comes around. But, yeah, if Horn wins out, they're in. And, um, obviously... You know, Tyler Lee would have to really pull something special out to, mm-hmm. to knock off one of the one of the big two, and, and so you know, even if it, if it does come down to that last game, it's no winning your end type situation. Okay. It's, it's a win if Tyler Lee wins, and you go into all sorts of tiebreaker right. chaos. Alrighty, that's a look at uh, kind of where things are at. Eight weeks in the books. We got some more fun stuff coming up later this week. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to talk about our game of the week and some of the other marquee matchups that are going on for our coverage area. Um, otherwise, folks, that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Appreciate the entire gang, gang for tagging along for this one. Uh, folks, you keep enjoying your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. 
From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.